What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Inclusion for All Radio, a podcast and story sharing series that seeks to represent the voice of the poor and vulnerable groups in Nigeria. Our aim is to highlight the barriers that keep the poor excluded and advocate for their removal. Inclusion for All Radio, amplifying voices unheard. It's episode eight of the Inclusion for All Radio podcast, and we are still on the Naira Redesign series, which has, for the last two episodes, presented as an array of heartfelt conversations with various stakeholders within the financial inclusion ecosystem. My name is Chinasa Collins Obro. I am podcast host and head Inclusion for All initiative. On the 28th of January, 2023, exactly three days before the original deadline set for Nigerian residents and citizens to exchange their old cash notes for new ones, the Central Bank of Nigeria announced a 10-day deadline extension to the relief of all concerned stakeholders. While this was a truly welcome development, the question that has remained, given the issues highlighted in the course of the policy implementation, is how can this be achieved in 10 days, knowing what we know? The answer would be in the persistent long queues at the bank branches and at the ATMs, laced with pockets of chaotic exchanges as people try to lay their hands on the new notes. A recent development following the extension is the inability to get both old and new notes. Against this backdrop, and studies showing that a lack of trust in the financial system is one of the critical barriers to financial inclusion, it has become imperative to feel the pulse of these populations given the fragile state of affairs. For this reason, the conversation on this episode will be focused on the trust quotient for informal groups in a cashless economy. Joining me in this conversation is Titilola Feijimi, the Chief Operating Officer at Ajokad, an indigenous digital financial platform created to deliver financial services to the underserved populations by providing micro-daily savings, micro-credits and HMO insurance across emerging markets. Welcome, Titi. It's a pleasure to have you on Inclusion for All Radio, and I'm keenly looking forward to hearing your views on how this move towards a cashless economy is engendering trust, or maybe not, amongst the underserved and informal populations that Ajokad looks after. So I think the best way to sort of start this conversation, given the backdrop of this episode, is to first of all understand what Ajokad does and how you work with the underserved communities. Thank you very much, Chinasa, uh, and definitely um, thanks to Inclusion for All uh, for giving us the opportunity to talk, you know, to give a voice to the underserved. Mm. Um, so very quickly about Ajokad. Ajokad is a fintech company that provides a suite of financial 
products or I'll say services, basically micro savings, mm-hmm. micro credit and micro insurance mm-hmm. to the very bottom of the pyramid. Everyday people that, you know, we meet in the marketplace right. uh, at bus stops, etc. So that's a summary of, you know, what we do at, at your card. Okay. So basically you have a suite of products that caters to the low income people that live in, I'd imagine, rural communities, which is where you can find most of these underserved um, individuals. Would that be correct? Yeah, rural. And I mean, the truth of the issue is in every area, there is, you know, pockets of rural, like okay. even in Lagos or in, on the island, there are pockets of uh, people that do fit into the category of Nigerians that we serve with mm-hmm. our products. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that would be a perfect segue to my next question and just to also sort of give better context to this conversation. So we're talking about the trust quotient and from research, we find that trust is one of the critical barriers to financial inclusion of the excluded population. So basically that lack of trust in the financial system. So with your work at Ajokad and if you were to describe the kinds of people that you provide the services to, is trust a major issue in serving them? And how do you address that? What has your experience been at Tajokad? Thank you very much. I think your question is a really good question. Uh, Truth be told, Mm -hmm. especially for the segment that we deal in, I Mm -hmm. think we need to kind of take a few steps back to actually understand who we're dealing with, mm-hmm. just their cycle metric uh, yeah. for the people that we deal with. Mm-hmm. The people that we deal with are very community-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally everything they do kind of revolves around community, either in a family setup, right. the churches they attend, the associations they are part of. It's really very community-driven. Yeah. And even when you think about traditionally mm-hmm. the way they interface with finance or how they, they solve for their finance, you know, requirements, mm-hmm. they would have a, a thrift collector that will come into the community and collect for them. Or they would create a group and have this rotational savings and programs. So when you think about that and you think about the approach to financial inclusion, mm-hmm you see how trust is really the currency beyond the technology Mm. or whatever strategies that we put in place. Mm -hmm. Trust is the currency that, especially at that segment, you need to feel about Mm -hmm. the approach that you choose to engage with them, especially when it comes to money. We kind of take it for granted because a lot of us are on, you know, financially, we're middle class, mm-hmm. etc. And so yeah. if you're dealing with a financial transaction and it goes bust, yeah. you can plus or minus, you know, whether it's... Mm-hmm. But for this segment, literally, it's their livelihood. It's the money they've saved to set up a business. It's the money they've saved to take their kids to school. It's the mm-hmm. money they've saved to resolve a major life uh, requirement. Mm-hmm. So it is literally hand in hand. Trust is, goes hand in hand with this topic for them right right and i hear you and so in fact with the name of your company ajokad and so understanding you know where ajok comes from in terms of a local in the yoruba dialect and it's that communal way of doing things and you know the thing with that is i know who is collecting my money even if i don't know them directly i know someone that knows them and i'm rest assured that if anything happens i can speak to someone 
And so coming to the formal financial services sector, that's where there's sort of a gap because these people that we don't really know come into our communities and ask us to bring our money and they'll save it. And then when something goes wrong, it's difficult to lay my hands on this person that came into the community at the time. It may be a different person or I can't even reach them. And so that's where the trust issue comes. So what I hear is that with Ajokad, you understand the psychographics of these people, their communal way of living. And so that's essentially what your operational model is rides on, right? So understanding how they operate. So in terms of your, should I say, success rates in onboarding these people, how do you ensure that, you know, they get their money when they want to get it? Like, how has the experience been for them so far having an account with Ajokad or basically transacting with Ajokad that makes them comfortable to remain with you? Okay, so just to give some context, mm -hmm. uh, you are very right, very much in line with our name. Uh, yes. Basically, our process literally replicates the agile process or ASUS okay. or dash, dash, irrespective of where you are in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And what we decided uh, fundamentally based on observation and engaging with our customers is that it's a lot easier for this segment to adopt if it is in line with what they are used to. Already know. And so sense. our experience is that for the savers, it's very much very acceptable to them. Right. Uh, because this is basically what they, what they grew to. up mm -hmm. doing. Right. The benefits to them is that we're bringing technology and we're laying it with security right. that solves for the issues that they had mm -hmm. experienced uh, right. prior to dealing with a traditional aladro. Right. Um, so the experience has really been positive. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of how do we ensure retention, mm -hmm. our model is that the agents who we call personal bankers, right. um, we fundamentally believe the people that go in to collect on our behalf are more than agents. They're more than the standard POS okay. that just do cashing payments mm -hmm. uh, because they resolve for your life business issues with micro savings, okay. um, insurance, and loans. Mm -hmm. um, these are people that are within their community. Okay. In fact, our policy is that the personal banker needs to be at a walking distance from the people that they're collecting from oh, or great. saving. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you are going, I mean, you're not going to take any form of transportation to reach this person. Right. You can reach the person at any time of the day, any day of the week. And I think that in itself, the fact that they have access to their cash whenever they need it is something that really puts us in a good stead with them. Fantastic. Wow, that, that makes a lot of sense, you know, so taking people within their communities that they already know and then, you know, bringing in technology to just strengthen that process and solution. Fantastic. So it brings me perfectly to the current state of affairs. So I'm now going to move into the Naira redesign, understanding what's been going on with the CBN and the deadline extensions and the intervention for people in underserved communities, which you cater to. And I'd just like to get an understanding, given how you work with the agents, um, picking them from the communities and the cash swap program and the approach that the CBN has taken, which is it's not actually open to all agents, I understand. 
So what is the experience currently with your agents and your beneficiaries? Truth be told, it's a mixed bag because we work very closely with the association of mobile money and banking agents. Okay. Um, we do have some agents that have access okay. to the SWAP program, mm-hmm. um, definitely outside Lagos and Abuja because Lagos and Abuja were excluded. Exempt, yeah. But predominantly, the issue that we are dealing with right now is just the, I mean, absence of cash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you put yourself within the context of the segment that we're dealing with, yes. who on a daily basis, they transact in cash, mm-hmm. right? So this is a woman selling body, mm-hmm. right? The people that come to buy from her um, give her cash, you know? Yeah. Um, even the elites that buy the body from her because of the denomination of the transaction, because it's they're very micro transactions, yeah. they're definitely not going to do a bank transfer. Mm-hmm. You know, the charges to just simply do not make sense. Yeah. Um, and so it is very cash-based. I mean, we have recently launched a feature that solves for that to okay. some extent. I mean, on our network, right. we issue cards to all our savers, you know, all our customers. And we do have a feature where within the network, you can transfer within that amongst yourself right. within the USSD code. Mm-hmm. However, because a good chunk of their cash is coming from outside the network, mm-hmm. definitely, you know, the cash situation or the scarcity of the cash situation is really a pain point for them at this point. Of course, of course. So basically, you have tried to solve for some part of the problem for beneficiaries within your network so that the the effect of this cash redesign isn't as bad on them. So, but what are the feelers that you're getting in terms of their trust levels and what do you think that this would do to their trust levels given that you mentioned there's no cash. So first of all, it was the deadline is too short, like the timelines are too short. And now that they've extended the timelines, there's no cash. There's both no old notes and new notes. So for the people who don't have access to the card, and I wonder, is this card free for people within your network? No, but it's at a very subsidized price point. Yeah. Hmm. It's, yeah. Okay. But for those who don't have the card, what's their predicament? I mean, truth be told, I think this, the Naira redesign, you know, though I believe that the central bank and the government did mm-hmm. have very good intentions mm-hmm. in coming up with the program. Yes. However, unfortunately, in terms of execution, it really has fallen short. And I do think that it will, to some extent, take us slightly backwards in terms of trust yeah. for the financial you know, bodies that manage this. Absolutely. Uh, because at the end of the day, I think that the people at the bottom of the pyramid, mm-hmm. because their economy is very much cash-based, Absolutely. are most hit mm-hmm. by the scarcity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They are unable to earn yeah. because the people that are able to foil that do not have cash. Do not have cash. Right. Yeah. And they are unable to transact, right? Mm-hmm. So I cannot even begin to summarize mm-hmm. the hardship that a lot of them are going through. I mean, beyond that, there are channels that prior to now were a bit open to transfers, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, digital transactions. Right. Unfortunately, the whole execution and the scarcity of, of cash 
has almost caused them to mandate a reverse to cash. Wow. So it's almost like, even though the mindset was, oh, we would do this redesign and push the cashless mm -hmm. ideology, mm -hmm. it's almost taking us, you know, a few steps backward. Yeah. If at the end of the day, certain, you know, channels that and are reverting to cash. Accept, yeah, are reversing back to cash. Yeah. Then it's almost like, you know, it's actually not fulfilling what it was set out you're, to do. You're so it's, it's, right. it's a bit unfortunate. We're hopeful that the central bank will be able to reverse things very quickly. But I mean, as of today, and in terms of the fillers from, you know, but our customers at the end, yeah. you know, our personal bankers, mm -hmm. it's, it's really, really tough. It's, it's, it's really, not really looking tough. good. And I, I can totally imagine just even looking at the queues and even in locations where people are generally expected or likely to have access to digital platforms, you know, you just see queues and everybody's just waiting to get their hands on this cash. And it's just going to bring me to my last question, which is perfectly tied to what you had talked about. And I think that what I'm noticing is that we're not there in terms of readiness for a move, a transition yes. to a cashless economy, because maybe the, I think that there may be a bit of pressure on the on even the digital platform. So I've personally had continued failed transactions where I'm having to then send emails to my bank to say, look, I did a transaction. I got debited and the uh, merchant didn't get the value. So can you do a reversal? So I don't know what this means for people in these communities. And I can imagine that it just obviously makes them less trusting of the system and so all the work that we've done to get to this point is probably almost just going to get thrown away if we're not careful and that that's the concern would you, would you agree with this yeah i mean the progress that has been achieved you yeah. know, with pos and a few other initiatives will not be reversed by the situation that we're dealing with Absolutely. i think um your question specifically with respect to our readiness for cashless i think that we, we still have gaps with mm -hmm. understanding the segment that we are dealing with mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. really ensuring that the journey to cashless um, is one that takes into consideration the different kinds of, um, I'd say, aptitudes of that segment. Right? Right. I think the approach where we most of the government regulators is that the journey to cashless will be very much similar to um, the journey per se that, you know, the middle class took to adopting, you know, online, you know, yeah, online yes. means mm. of transactions That's during the, the COVID period. Yes. But I think that we still need to do some more work in understanding this segment mm -hmm. and understanding that, you know, what might have worked for that category might, might not mm -hmm. necessarily work for this category Absolutely. Um, and it might not just be one solution we definitely need to come up with varying solutions and create a conducive environment for players to come up with different uh, um, solutions to solve for i also think that there's a lot of iteration that we need to put in place before we decide to go full bang into cashless right, yeah, right. And, and so I think this approach mm -hmm. is more of a very aggressive, one-size-fits-all approach. And quite harmful. Um, without, mm. you know, a lot of iteration. I think it would have been nice if it was a bit more phased. Yes. Where we could we could take learnings and, you know, reiterate and move in that kind of incremental approach, right? Approach, Especially yeah. for this segment. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think for me that that's really my you take. I genuinely hope 
that uh, the situation, as bad as it seems, can be reversed very quickly. So that, you know, as we both agreed, the gains mm-hmm. will not be eroded. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't have put it any better. And you're right, you know, how can we ensure that the gains that we've achieved over 10 years of trying to drive financial inclusion don't get eroded just because of a bad approach to a well-meaning and intended policy, right? So hopefully we'll see some changes and not have to start all over from the beginning. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on this episode of Inclusion for All Radio. Do you have any Last words to the key stakeholders, the CBN, for instance. Is there anything like that you'd like to recommend specifically? Well, I think that, you know, CBN should continue to do what they're doing, mm-hmm. uh, work really closely with the agency network that already exists um, and players in this segment to ensure that um, we continue to iterate, yes. you know, and we, we get funding also to really understand the market. And if I might say, you know, also support in ensuring that the natural community clusters that exist are formalized. Uh, because it's through these kinds of clusters that we can actually um, drive education and awareness yes. uh, for some of this, or basically a lot of this digital transformation that we're seeking to achieve in that segment. Great. Um, of course, I can't end, but by saying, you know, Thank you very much, Chinasa, for this opportunity to speak. Thank yeah, you very um, much. Thank you. Thank you for accepting our invitation. Thank you. And it's the end of this episode. And at Inclusion for All, we will continue to represent and amplify the voices of those we care about. And as the narrow redesign continues to evolve, we will continue to have these conversations so that we can see how we work together to reduce the impact on the poorest in the economy. Thank you and look forward to another episode. To learn more about the Inclusion for All Advocacy Initiative and to access more insightful data about financial inclusion for the marginalized groups in Nigeria, please visit our website, inclusion-for-all.org.